This is Inspired Wellness with Jessica, a safe space for women impacted by their emotions to unlock hope and discover ways to elevate emotional wellness holistically for long-term health and well-being. I am your host, Jessica, advanced EFT practitioner, holistic counselor, meditation therapist, and advanced life coach. Join me for real, raw conversations to educate and inspire you to take control of your emotional well-being. I am so grateful you are here with me. Let's dive straight in. Welcome to Inspired Wellness with Jessica. Today, I have a special guest joining us. Trauma Breakthrough Coach Sarah Lux is a multimodality practitioner and certified life coach whose talent lies in her ability to identify and break down her clients' blockers, reprogram their mindset with tools and techniques that leave them empowered and with a newfound confidence and sense of self. As a trauma survivor herself, Sarah loves working with others affected by past trauma to remove its strangling hold on them and is renowned for the speed of results she helps enable through her breakthrough days. Sarah is also a loyal wife and mother to three gorgeous kids, her wolf pups, who are the inspiration behind her foundation, Wolfpack and Co., started in partnership with her son, who are on a mission to make every kid bullyproof. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you. Sarah and I were chatting before the show and we have a lot in common, a lot. And I love it. It's so nice to talk to somebody who gets it. It really is. And oh. who's passionate too. It's nice to see that passion in all across boards and, and making that difference and making that impact. Absolutely. So Sarah, do you want to tell listeners a little bit about you and how mm-hmm. you got started doing what it is that you do? Okay, so hello everybody. Um, I actually started as a coach without any intention of becoming a coach. So my perception of myself was that I was actually broken. Cut a long story short, I had experienced a significant physical and emotional trauma when I was 18 years old. I was sexually assaulted. And when you experience a trauma on any level, your brain designs behaviors to keep you safe in order for your survival because that's what it's designed to do right it's designed to keep us alive so those behaviors served a purpose when I was 18 through to 23 until I decided that enough was enough but it wasn't until I actually became a mum that those behavioral patterns resurfaced I started to live my life on repeat I'd wake up I'd do what I needed to do I'd feed, bath, go to appointments, naps, feed, change, bath again. And what happened was the unresolved emotional trauma resurfaced. Throughout the years, I had seen psychologists, psychiatrists, therapists, counsellors, healers, EFT practitioners, energy workers, hypnosis, you name it, I had done it. And they all served a purpose along that time journey but the emotional trauma was never resolved. The mental aspect of it was, so when I thought about it, I could make sense of it, 
but I would still have this ugh, feeling like I had a physiological response to it and an emotional response. It started to affect my marriage. I didn't want to be intimate with my husband. I had a short fuse and he was walking on eggshells. I would become so angry at my kids that it wasn't just being pissed off or annoyed. It was, I was fuming mad and it was so quick to get there. I was literally like a ticking time bomb. And when I looked in the mirror, I felt empty. I had no idea who that person was and I didn't like it. There was no spark or passion behind my eyes. They were completely glazed over and blank. So that was when I actually decided that my family would be better off without me. My husband and I that night had a conversation on our wardrobe floor and I told him I was leaving. I no longer liked the person I was. I didn't know what was going on. I was terrified of the person I had actually become. And I was so scared that I would say something or do something to either him or the kids or myself that I would regret. We both cried and I said, I'm so torn because I love you so much. Like I've never loved another soul. And he looked me dead in the eye and he said, stay. Whatever it is, whatever you need, we will find it and we will get you the help that you need to get through this. I laughed, of course, natural response, right? But then I, I was so bewildered because I'd done it all. I, no one in my mind had been able to fix me, right? wasn't until I was breastfeeding one night that I was scrolling on my phone and life coaching came up and I thought, what's this? Something sparked an interest within me. And I figured there's no point in paying for a coach because I've paid for all of these other practitioners that I'm still broken in my eyes. And I really wanted this done and for all. But what I also wanted to do was I wanted to study it. So that in the hope that the trainers who know the most about it would be able to fix me. But then in that, I would learn something to help repair my parenting and my relationship with my kids, but also my relationship with my husband. I'd basically be able to re repair the damage that I'd caused whilst these behavioural patterns resurfaced. Little did I know that that would completely change the trajectory of my entire life. So I started studying my master's in life coaching, which covers a huge array of areas. And I was just absorbing information. And there was this one moment in one of my trainings that resolved absolutely everything. And it happened in an instant. I was standing, I got selected so I could stand at the front of the room for this particular technique. And I was in front of all of my peers. I wasn't aware that they were there. But this moment completely changed my life. The trainer was successful at doing what no other modality had ever been able to get me the results that I wanted. And in that moment, I was given the gift of emotional freedom. I felt lighter. 
I felt like the water throughout my whole body just rippled from my head all the way down to my toes. And I walked out of the room taller, calmer, more grounded and more at peace than I had been or had ever felt. And I can only remember it being in my childhood that I felt like this. When I got home that night, my husband, Stephen, he opened the door and he looked me in the eyes and his eyes welled up instantly and he said, there she is. I've got my wife back. And in that moment, I decided that there was no way that I could keep this information and everything that I had learned up until this moment to myself. It was in that moment that I decided to become a coach and give others the gift of emotional freedom then too. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. What an amazing story and what an amazing gift to be sharing with the world as well. That moment where you just know that what has been stored in your body for so many years, right down to a cellular level, has yep. finally let go. And I, I can only make a small assumption, but that mindset of yours must have had a little shift as well from being that someone had to fix you mm-hmm. to you have actually healed yourself. A hundred percent because I believe that that won't happen. Exactly. And until I decided that I wanted it, like I needed it and I had everything that I needed already within me. And that moment I realized how powerful women are and how powerful human beings are really, because every single person has that within themselves. Mm, Absolutely. During your story, you spoke about when you were having your um, trauma reactions resurface Mm -hmm. from what had been, uh, you know, I guess what you thought was dealt with at the time, but, you know, maybe, maybe suppressed to some, to some element when they were resurfacing, when you're a mom and you're talking about the zero to a hundred rage, you know, that's something that I hear a lot and from, from women, from mums and something that I really feel like with, so much emphasis on positive parenting, the ability to feel your emotions and allow yourself to be human. Um, sometimes it's kind of taken away a little bit from us mums. And if yeah. we do have those snaps where, you know, and it may be because we have unresolved trauma ourselves or because we are going through chronic stress or relationship strains or um, we have unmet, unmet self-care needs. You know, if we're not able to actually take care of ourselves and it builds and it builds, you know, I've been in that position many times um, and I've got tools to help myself, but I still, it still happens because I'm human where everything will be fine one minute. And then somehow I just want to scream or I am screaming or that, and it's rage. Mm -hmm. It it really is a mum rage. And I know, uh, well, you said before, society, as you said before, society, before we were recording, society shames yeah. it. <laughs> well, um, like society has this perception yeah. that mothers are nurturing, that they're loving, that they're patient. And we've got to remember that mothers are human beings and human beings have core needs. Mm-hmm. And these core needs are innate needs that they need to be met. And these include things like sleep, food, water, safety. And what happens when you become a mother is that 
you know, you now have this tiny dependent that's in your, you're responsible for. And over time we give and we give and we give and we give and we deplete ourselves. You know, in World War II, they used sleep deprivation as torture. Mm. And it's a real thing with our human survival. You know, our tolerance, like we need to be rejuvenated or our tolerance threshold shrinks. And we become emotionally reactive and we have these outbursts, emotional outbursts that happen. And it's like riding an emotional roller coaster. And it's suppressed because society has this perception of us, and it has over generations, that mothers have this identity that they bounce back after having a baby, that they are calm and present, and that all external environmental circumstances like paying a mortgage, putting food on the table, getting children off to school, understanding children, like, you know, we have this identity that she knows it all as soon as she becomes a mother. But what happens is that people come over with a new mum and they go, here, let me take the baby so you can have a shower or here, let me take the baby so you can, you know, get the washing on or vacuum. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> let's rewind this a bit. Why don't you bring a meal so I can meet my baby's needs? Mm. Because that baby has known me for nine months and is dependent, wants to sleep on me. I'm at safety. You know, it has not yet survived without me. And it's, I, it's dependent on my milk supply. It's dependent on myself. Like they, they regulate their temperature, you know, through skin on skin contact. When a baby is in the uterus, it doesn't need to actually, you know, um, it doesn't need to understand gravity. Like it experiences gravity for the first time when it's born. So it's dealing with a whole heap of things which then the mother gives and gives and gives, the mother becomes depleted and then their emotional tolerance threshold shrinks because we're depleted and our needs are not being met. Mm. And that's where that, you know, that suppression of the rage and frustration and outbursts all come from is because literally our tolerance threshold shrinks, our circle of tolerance shrinks and we fly off the handle. Absolutely. And then we get judged. Mm. and shamed and made guilty because our needs are not being met Mm -hmm. yeah and then you throw into that as well you know um the whole new emotional aspect too of that new identity and you're grappling with all of these internal stressors as well like perhaps body image issues um getting comfortable or getting to know a new body that you most likely aren't overly comfortable with if we're being honest because a a lot of new mums are not Mm -hmm. uh you know and then that whole you know identity of who am I all these things that I used to do that I want to do I can no longer do that's exactly right you and grief grief process yeah grief stacks so and we don't, I don't say grief as in a loss of a life. Just like you were talking about, it's a loss of identity. It's a loss of a job. It's moving places, moving like houses, moving states. Mm-hmm. The grief of what you didn't get to experience, the birth you didn't have. Anything like, you perceive as a loss, anything. It doesn't yes. have to be a loss of a person. Yes. And that stacks. And over time, if we continue to, stack grief and it's not resolved that's emotional suppression in itself 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And so when we are suppressing our emotions, I know uh, from the work that I do, and I do a lot within a lot within the body and work a lot too with people who come, um, you know, with say uh, an illness or a pain and we work backwards from that to get right down into the body and we are finding suppressed emotions, things that people think they either have dealt with and maybe they have to a certain level, but, you know, everything's got a lot of table legs holding it up. So <laughs> and nothing is single aspected. Everything has multiple aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you have dealt with an aspect of it, but once you, once you are able to actually identify and actually allow yourself to feel, which also is another thing too, that I, I really feel like, um, or I observe that society doesn't really encourage and that's to feel those unwanted emotions. So, and we, and I, we do it right from when we have kids Oh, stop crying. You're okay. You know, Oh, you don't need to cry mm. about that. Or, you know, that, that sort of language. You'll be that, right. Exactly. The suppression language. That's exactly. Mm-hmm. It is that language straight away that right from when we're brought up is telling us that these uncomfortable feelings that make the person who is with you feel uncomfortable because they may not know how to deal with it probably because of their upbringing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that we shouldn't be feeling it. And if we have an emotion such as anger or rage or something that is negative, it is our nature to want to push it back down. Well, really mm-hmm. it's our nature to want to express it, but it's society's nature to want us to push it back down. Because they don't know how to deal with it. That's right. Like if someone's angry and they're doing angry, the other person's like, well, I don't know what to do. Like you need to not feel that because I'm uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like all I say this to my kids all the time and to my client, all emotions are valid. All behaviors are not. That's right. So if a child is angry or if a parent is angry, me picking a chair up and throwing it across the room is pretty unresourceful. It's not going to get me the outcome that I want to get, right? Or a child you know, who's angry and rage, hitting a sibling because they've got this surge of energy that they just don't know what else to do. Unresourceful behaviour. Whereas I could, if I wanted to punch something, I could go to a boxing class or a fitness class or if I've got that surge of energy, I could do a physical activity. If I've got that, you know, and, and also too, if we look at emotions on a spectrum, If we don't feel the whole spectrum and we feel a small amount, I think the most common three emotions on a, there was a study done that 7,000 participants could only name the average of emotions was three and it was happy, sad and angry. Mm. So we have this emotional spectrum. We cannot understand or really embody completely what, love or joy, happiness, elation is if we don't understand anger, frustration, pissed off, rage, Mm -hmm. because how can we get to that end of the spectrum if we don't know how far it goes the other way? Mm. And so really developing the language around emotions, developing the understanding of emotions in that they flow 
we have a baseline emotion that we spend most of our time in, which might be contentment or, you know, it's no one can be 100% joyful all the time. So we have this baseline emotion. But really getting people to understand that emotions flow. And I like to use the analogy like waves on the beach. Some waves are bigger than others. Some waves come in faster. Some waves stay on the sand longer. But they all go back out into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's that flow. Emotions flow. So feel what you need to feel. Mm-hmm. And especially with parents, we talk about with my clients, we've in, we have in-the-moment strategies and outside-the-moment strategies. So say, for example, if you're starting to become annoyed or frustrated or pissed off, it's you know, in the moment, if, if you're in the middle of a shopping centre, you might not be able to do anger or frustration resourcefully. You're probably more inclined Quietly. to get out. <laughs> get in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Well, you might be more, you know, your outcome is to leave the shopping centre with your child intact, right? Um, <laughs> without leaving your shopping behind. <laughs> And then it's the outside of the emotion. You're able to then process the emotion. You know, you're allocating that time slot saying, okay, well, I can't feel it right now because I can't just leave my kid and go for a run or I can't scream into a pillow right now or whatever strategy works for you. And a strategy is a behavior, whatever works for you. But I can when I'm at home or the kids are asleep or my spouse is home or I can get up in the morning and do it tomorrow or I can have a shower and I can cry. Whatever works. Whatever allows you that time, space and energy to release that emotion. So it doesn't store. That's exactly Yes. Yes. It's got to be intentional. It's got to be intentional, particularly if you're in that situation where, like you said, you're at the shops, you can't really deal with, well, you know, I know I've cried, I've I've cried out in public, (laughs) so you probably, you can, but it's not overly appropriate, Um, may not be how you want to deal with it, Um, but you know, you're not necessarily going to deal with that emotion right then and there, but if you then just go and keep it suppressed, if you go, okay, well, it's done, I feel that anger, I still feel it within me, but I'm not going to deal with that and you try and move on with your day and your life, you are creating a negative, a negative environment, a toxic environment within your body. And yeah, because what happens for your cells just to breed illness, really. Yes. And because then your tolerance, if you don't actually release that emotion, that's when your tolerance threshold shrinks. Yes. Because you know, you've used your tolerance for one aspect of your day, then another situation arises, and another one arises, and another one arises. And the next minute, boom, yeah, you explode. Or like you implode. Balloon. You know, you have a small breath yes. and another breath and then another breath and then eventually <laughs> it's just that one last one and it might just be a little puff and mm-hmm. bang. Yes. And, that- <laughs> and I love the, we, we use this motto a lot. Um, I think it's a Tony Robbins one, but where your focus goes, your energy flows. Absolutely. And so if I'm focusing on what is happening or what that emotion is, I'm giving that emotion my energy Mm. but if I can't excuse me if I can't do it right now I'll give it the energy then and it will I'll flow through it absolutely Mm. yeah and not only that too but if you are giving your emotions that energy uh, and that focus and that attention and that you know it's creating obviously emotional is a chemical and you've got these receptors I think I actually spoke about this in last week's podcast and you've got these receptors on the end of your cells Mm -hmm. that are then becoming accustomed to that amount of that chemical 
And what happens is your body will become addicted to living in that state. Mm-hmm. And so if you are not allowing those emotions to process, and like you said, I love that wave analogy mm-hmm. to leave your body. If you are holding onto it, you're focusing it, but he did this, she did this. I feel this way. I'm so angry. You are going to continue to give yourself reason to focus on it because your body is going to be craving that chemical. Yeah. So that that suppressed emotion is, is so important to allow yourself. It's a gift and really an essential act of self-care to allow yourself that time, whether it be you know, whether you need to punch something, whether shaking could help you in that sort of, mm-hmm. if you've got that energy, if you learn. Slow how to breaths, journals, exactly. whatever, swimming, ocean, yeah. grounding, drumming, yep. um, sound balls, crystals, yeah. incense, whatever floats Anything. your boat, whatever yeah. works for you. And I love this, Mike, I had one client and I have permission to share this story. And she, grief, we talk about grief um, and at funeral heightened emotional state right there's a loss and people would come and they'd touch her on the shoulder and I'm sorry for your loss 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 and so all of those receptors are going into her shoulder Mm. and for years and years and years anytime it was her dad's birthday she would get a sore shoulder anytime it was her dad's anniversary she would get a sore shoulder. Anytime she experienced grief, moving house, changing jobs, like anything, she would get a sore shoulder. And it wasn't until we collapsed the unresolved emotion that she was able to move through. She's never had a sore shoulder again. That's amazing, isn't it? And so even things like, you know, when we're in heightened emotional states, hugging people, I'm very cautious of how I hug people when they've experienced a loss. It's not the same usual way that I hug them. Um, And I'm just thinking of my husband. He just lost his um, pa recently, who was a father figure to him. And I think I hugged him like around his waist, (laughs) like really low, because I didn't want to give him a normal hug and anchor that emotion. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, being mindful about when people are experiencing heightened emotions and just giving them the space to feel what it is that they need to feel without actually unintentionally, of course, storing it within their body. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So Sarah, one of your many modalities that you are trained in, where it was funny, we were just talking before the show about how we both have this hunger just to keep <laughs> growing and learning. And <laughs> so it's one of your many modalities, your wonderful modalities that you are trained in is mm-hmm. You coach. Now, for listeners who are are listening who may not know what that is, can you Mm -hmm. give us a little bit of an explanation? Um, But then also, can we have a chat about why the skills that you teach are so valuable? Yes. So, EQ is emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence is the capacity to be aware of and express their emotional states in a resourceful and empowering way. So you're understanding that what you're feeling is what you're feeling and you can choose at any given moment your emotions and how you want to feel. And so instead of a low emotional intelligence, which is reacting to a response that's non-threatening, right? So remembering our brains are wired for survival, 
there are times where the amygdala will fire off to keep us alive because that's the part of the brain that stops us from walking out onto the road when there's traffic passing or that goes into that instant response when we need to. And it's, a, it's the primal part of the brain, except it fires off now when we get a bill or when something happens in life instead of back in the day when we were getting chased by saber-toothed tigers kind of thing. So emotional intelligence allows you to opt in for behavioural flexibility, take on radical responsibility and ownership of how you are choosing to feel at any given moment in time. You can identify if something is unresolved within you and you can seek out that support to resolve that emotion. You're able to manage conflict in a way that builds up your relationships instead of tearing them down. You're able to hold space for others, like we were talking about before, that society doesn't know how to handle someone when they're angry or upset. So with a more developed EQ, you're able to hold that space for people to feel whatever they need to feel, um, especially kids who are in heightened emotional states. Mm. You're untriggered by it. There's no emotional response within you. It's also you've got the skills and you're effective in nonverbal and verbal communication. You're able to read a person's body language, their tone of voice, their tempo, their um, gestures, their eye patterns. You're able to understand all of that. Yeah, absolutely. They're such vital skills, aren't they, to really Mm. navigate life? Yes. And to be able to understand how that you can resolve conflict how you can problem solve, how you can decision. Um, You know, it's got that self-awareness, but it's also got the social awareness as well and the relationship building. So it's important. It's an important everyday tool, which is basically what the Wolfpack EQ project is all about. Mm. I love how empowering this is because I know you mentioned before, you know, about feeling the way that you want to feel. And that you do have an element of control over your emotions. And I feel that 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 is a really common misconception that a lot of people have, that your emotions are actually on the hierarchy, you know, up there in control um, and dictating how you feel and the things that you do. Whereas when you start to gain these emotional intelligence skills and you start to gain an understanding of the inner works and also doing your inner work, which allows mm-hmm. for the space for this to really happen, you sort of realize that your emotions are more of a barometer to let you know when something is there to be dealt with um, or, you know, when something is not right or when you might be feeling off or something doesn't sit with your values or something has upset you or whatever the case is. Well, emotions start with a thought. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Emotions start with a thought and then we have an emotional response and then we have a behaviour, but those thought patterns are lightning fast. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of... in a day or something, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to argue more. <laughs> and our brain is constantly like deleting, distorting and generalising information, you know, that it just it's rapid fast. And the best way I guess I could describe emotional intelligence and self-awareness is you get an emotion or you feel an emotion or you do an emotion because you have this physiological response Mm -hmm. and we name that emotion. 
And then there's power in the pause. And we can go, okay, is this what I want to feel? Is this fact or story? Or, you know, is this what I want to feel right now in this moment? Can I feel it later? And in that pause, we're able to decide that if that thought that we're thinking, can we reframe that thought? Or could we, are we telling ourselves a story? Where's the is, is it even true? Yes. Are we feeling this emotion and then is our behavior, are we escaping or are we finding a solution? And so it's like, okay, well, what is it? What is it? Can I do that right now? Like in this moment, in this power of the pause, where's the magic? Where do I want to go? What do I want to feel? Do I want to, you know, throw a tantrum like a two-year-old? Well, if that's the case, then I'm taking on that radical responsibility and I'm throwing a tantrum like a two-year-old. Is it, am I, because if we don't, if we're not stopping in that pause, we're actually not aware of our emotions. We're allowing our emotions to be in control of us and we're not in control of them, which is means that we're reacting, you know, and we're in that state of emotional dysfunction. Mm. And so how can you recognise if you are in that state of emotional dysfunction? Well, you have a feeling of being misunderstood. You may be feel unappreciated. Uh, there's needs that are not being met. There's reactive or emotional outbursts to situations um, or people that are non-threatening. We're blaming others for what's happening in our life and how we are feeling. Uh, we might get angry or hostile in conflict and confrontation. So instead of bringing water to the fire, we're adding the fire with fire and going back and forth in an exchange. Um, we're focused on competing and winning rather than collaboration and teamwork. Or we may not feel, um, you, become, like, you become really focused on a particular topic mm-hmm. and you can go into that, like if we, into that downward spiral where we're unable to move this in the spectrum along the spectrum and we're stuck in an emotional state Mm. like depression or overwhelm anxiety um or anything like that that we become stuck in this downward spiral in like the eye of a tornado and we can't actually feel any other emotion because we're in that emotional state that's dysfunctional Mm. well our bodies are amazing aren't they Humans <laughs> and, are um, and our minds and all most likely caused by the fact that you walk past the mirror and you thought you weren't looking good you had this fleeting thought and then all of a sudden you <laughs> your attention to something that you don't like and your emotions have taken over and it's spiraled and and, and i guess two um things that we do give our attention to as well are those those beliefs those thought patterns that we have you know ingrained in our subconscious that our stories are things that we most likely have been holding on to in some element from when we were children from those yes. first seven years of yes. life and I like to use the analogy like our brain will we grow weeds weeds will grow no matter what you can put weed mat down, you can use chemicals, you can, you know, do whatever in your garden, but the weeds will always grow. They will find a way to grow. But if we want a flower to grow, we need to feed it, water it, 
ensure it's got right amount of sunshine. You know, we need to pour time and energy into it. Or another analogy is like <laughs> the dryer. If you've ever used a dryer, you need to clean the, the lint filter. Always. You cannot do a dryer cycle without the lint filter needing to be cleaned. And so it's being aware, having a higher emotional intelligence means that you're cleaning your lint filter or you're focusing on nourishing that plant for it to grow. So you can have a beautiful garden and you pluck the weeds out. It's your ability to recognize that limiting belief or whatever story that we're telling ourselves that's really disempowering and we can pluck it out mm. and go, that's not mine actually. That's I'm going to believe this and I'm going to move forward with it or I'm going to seek support into resolve it or this actually doesn't align with my values anymore. I'm going to move through that. And that does, it comes from childhood until we're adults and we can consciously make that choice. Mm. And, you know, those things are hard to recognize too, because when you are in that age, you know, from zero to seven, where it's your theta brainwave that's dominant and you are just a sponge to to everything that is going on around you, you don't know what's not normal. You know, so if you are brought up in a certain way watching um, watching mum continually put her body down or watching dad struggle to pay the bills or watching, you know, an alcoholic parent or, uh, you know, any, any kind of behaviour. It doesn't even have to be that extreme. It could be any kind of behaviour. This is shaping your beliefs and the way that you are perceiving the world and how you are finding your place in the world. Um, you know, and everything, religion, everything, every, everything that you were growing up with, your environment. Um, everything that you're exposed to. Exactly, everything you're exposed yeah. to. So as adults, when we are in these patterns, it is hard at first because you might know something's not right. You might know that you maybe you're struggling or maybe you've been, you know, on the brink of burnout or, or mm-hmm. you've had this repeated pattern in a relationship and keep blaming the type of man that you're attracting. Mm-hmm. You're self-sabotaging. Exactly, self-sabotaging. Once you are able to gain that awareness and that um, could be done through a conversation, it could be done through some kind of awakening or it could be done through working with a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, once you're able to gain that awareness and realise that that belief Yes, it has been with you for however long it's been with you for, but it is possible to change it. Once you're yes. aware of it, you have permission to rewrite that belief to something that is going to serve your purpose now. When you can actually be in a place where you can gain awareness of that, it's going to be a game changer for you. Well, that's the role of your brain. It's the prime directives of the unconscious mind mm. that it represses memories for protection but it will bring them to light for resolution so you know when a memory pops into your head and you're like oh, oh wow I haven't thought about that for years mm-hmm. that's your opportunity to then go oh okay you know get curious around it and go you know this has come up for a particular reason what's the gift in that mm. you know and it doesn't come up at the right time <laughs> <laughs> the, the unconscious mind can't tell the time. No, you need know, so, a journal, write, write, it, write it down <laughs> if you need to come back to it. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, there's a gift in that and the, well, there's something that your unconscious mind has brought it up for resolution as a gift for you to say, hey, look, 
We don't know. We no longer need this for our survival anymore. Let's get rid of it. But also, too, it actually keeps emotions repressed for your protection. So if it deems it as a threat to your survival, it will keep it repressed. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people will come to me and be like, I actually cannot remember my childhood. Okay, cool. That's fine because it's keeping you alive in that sense. I know as babies, you know, we are born hardwired for survival, aren't we? Yes. We we cry because we need a need met. We are born into an environment that we have no control over. And so Mm -hmm. all we have to do is survive and we find different ways to do that. So how do you find... Um, or how would you sort of describe, I guess, that our emotional behaviour is influenced by our childhood experiences? So when we're kids, our parents model either resourcefully or unresourcefully how to process emotions. So depending on how our parents managed emotions, we're actually learning how to process our own. So if we go back to the brain and how it's designed for survival, we actually adapt our behaviours if we perceive a threat. So a child is likely to suppress their emotions if the parent then opts into a power player role within the relationship, which means that as the parent, they use their leverage. This is my house. This is my rules. You will do what I say to you. I'm stronger than you. I'm bigger than you. This is my house. And the child will suppress their emotions and minimise their behaviours if they deem their parent or their parent's reaction to be a threat. And so as adults, what we then tend to do is we continue that pattern and we go through to our emotional threshold which and our tolerance which when it goes it it closes up and we reach that threshold will then explode and we'll go through that emotional dysfunction Mm. and as parents we have so much that plays into and at an identity level you know if a child is hiding behind your legs and the parent says oh don't worry about them they're just shy Mm. well then the child turns around and says okay So I need to be shy in my life. So throughout my life, I'll go along and I'll be shy. I'll do shy because that's what I'm told. That's attached to my identity. It's the same as if a child who is naughty or gets labelled as naughty or whatever it might be, their behavioural patterns will be I need to do unresourceful behavior to get attention because that's who I am yes and so we create as parents this disempowering self-concept that they that child who might have been shy might have needed their safety needs to be met first before they could actually be their authentic self or the child who was needing them meeting their need of significance in an unresourceful way because they wanted attention and they weren't getting attention, they then deemed that they needed to be this type of person throughout their life Mm. and that's who I need to be and that's who I'll become because back when I was a kid, that's what I was told to do. Mm. So our emotional behaviour is influenced by our childhood experiences and our identity is also influenced, as we were saying, like our values, our beliefs, our attitudes, 
our, you know, what we experience as kids, this all happens within our childhood because we're literally up until the age of seven, that critical faculty, it's it's not there. The gatekeeper of our brain is not there. So everything is coming in. Yeah. And sometimes those beliefs aren't even ours. Yes. You know, say you've had a teacher who says, oh, you know, they're not smart. They're not going to make anything of themselves. They're disruptive. They're this, they're that. You know, that's that, that's that teacher's belief. Mm. Or you might have had a neighbor or whoever it might have been. That's their belief about you. That might not be your perception of yourself. Yeah. You, you know, I use this example. My sister has her safety needs need to be met for a longer period of time than mine do. So I personally take more risks because my safety needs are met quicker than what hers are. And that's just the way how we're wired. That's just our innate needs because they will be met on some level. And if we understand when we're doing or creating new experiences or understanding our children and what they need as individuals, we understand how we can give it to them resourcefully to create an empowering self-concept or an empowering identity that allows them to truly flourish in life. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, you take those unresourceful behaviours, say, for example, you know, with significance, you you take these behaviours that you've learned as a child because that's how you have learned to survive, that's how you've learned to protect yourself, how you learned that you get what you want. And mm-hmm. you then take those behaviours and you continue to unresourcefully choose behaviours as you get older to meet those significance needs, those safety needs, those needs of love, those needs, you know, of, um, I would call it stability. Safety, connection. Yeah, certainty. exactly. Yeah. yeah, certainty. Yeah, exactly. Um, I always think of the roof falling in on my head when I think of certainty and that's <laughs> stability. <laughs> but, yeah, so I could, yeah, but you do, you take those dysfunctional patterns and you yes. use them as adults and you don't, like we said earlier, really even have an awareness you know, that, that that pattern is dysfunctional for you and not serving your life purpose anymore. It's, it's really powerful once you're able to start becoming aware of the things that are being repressed. Um, and also, I guess, as well, allowing yourself to know that it's not always going to be logical either. You know, you've got those associations that the amygdala <laughs> makes that that makes sense to your amygdala, but it doesn't. The make, unconscious doesn't mind is not logical. That's exactly right. There's there's At no all. logic to it, and so no. if you are able to be open to those processes, you know, you are you are on the right path to to be able to, to be able to find that emotional freedom for yourself. Yes, because yeah. that's what life's all about, isn't it? Absolutely, you know, waking up. And enjoying life, not waking up going, oh, I've got to do this again. <laughs> like, mm. yeah. Oh. yeah. And if we are feeling that, you know, within a role of a job or whatever it might be, you know, it, that's another opportunity to get curious and go, well, what's not aligned for me? What's incongruent that, you know, where in my life am I incongruent or not living by my values or, you know, what's happening for me to be able to move through this? Because I don't need to feel like this. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I don't need to feel like this. I have a choice. Yeah, that I, I can get curious. Other things. Get curious. I love curiosity. Mm, absolutely. As I remember, our trainers always digging that in. Just get curious. Get mm. curious. And if you can do that with yourself, 
because the reasons that you may feel like you don't want to be going to work every day may not even be related to work. (laughs) You might be able able to find a core need that you are in deficit in, you know, in another area of your life that's actually... The problem is never the problem. No, that's right. It's never never what you think it is. (laughs) No. But what you think it is is a great place to start. (laughs) Oh, it's the... Hard to start with curiosity. Absolutely. Sarah, this has been amazing chatting to you today. (laughs) Can you tell me for anybody who would like to work with you, how can Mm -hmm. they do that? Well, I work one-on-one with clients either online or in person. I am Melbourne-based. And so we either, I work sessional, uh, we have a program pending on what it is that you would like to resolve. Depends on how many sessions that we actually do. Uh, or we resolve anything which is unresolved through a breakthrough day. And now these are immersion days which we resolve anything that comes up for you on that day. So, again, you might come in with the problem, but it may not be the problem, and we get really curious around what's going on for you, where you would like to go, and what we can clear and move through in order to get you there. Uh, so for any of your listeners, and what I love about these days is that you don't have to constantly relive it. Like it's not like you're reliving that unresolved trauma over and over and over again. Yeah. We basically nip it in the butt. And so for your community, for your listeners, Jess, I would love to offer up five discounted breakthrough days. So these are normally 3000 and yeah. I would like to bring it down for 1000 for wow. five of your listeners who'd like to take up this offer. Oh, that's such a generous discount. Thank you. Hopefully if you do need to go and um, let go of some unresolved trauma and you want to do it in a day with Sarah, then absolutely reach out to her. Now, what's the best way to get in touch with you? They can either get in touch with me through Instagram uh, or socials and or they can email me. Hello at sarahlockscoaching.com. Easy. Facebook. Yeah. I'll link yeah. all of these in the show notes as well. So I'll link your Instagram and your website and Facebook and anything in the show notes too. If you are in a downward spiral of emotions, if you are stuck, loss of identity, emotional outbursts, I just want you to know that you do not need to live this way. You can live differently. You can wake up with a purpose. You can wake up knowing and loving who you are. You can thrive in relationships. You can experience joy and unconditional love. You can have fun and play with your kids and enjoy parenting. You do not need to live in a state of uncertainty, guilt, judgment or shame. You can have emotional freedom because if I can do it, you can do it too. Thank you. Such, that is pleasure. such an important Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Inspired Wellness with Jessica. If you enjoyed and found value in today's episode, then please help it to reach others who may also benefit by subscribing on your favorite platform and leaving a review. This would mean the world to me. To get in touch with me, inquire about working privately or experience one of my online programs, then head to www.inspiredlifecollective.com.au and I will see you on the next episode.